It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford and joined this week by Jamal Wilberg filling in for Darby Robinson. Jamal, it's been quite a while since you've been on Raise Your Voice, but glad to have you back. How are you doing, man? Doing well. Glad to glad to be here. Just, uh, you know, can never truly fill in for, for Darby. Darby's awesome, but happy, <laughs> happy to catch up with you, Brett. Rays coming off a series victory, which looked unlikely, you know, up until the late innings of the game on Sunday afternoon. A series victory over the New York Yankees, taking two out of three, beating Garrett Cole today. Uh, really exciting atmosphere at the Trop this weekend. Tons of fans. And for the first time, and I thought, Darby and I talked about this last week, I thought for the first time in a while, you'd see the, the ratio of Rays to Yankee fans, you know, move more towards the side of the Rays and just from seeing it on TV, hearing about friends that were going out for this series and, and just listening to the game on radio and on TV, it felt like that was the case. Jamal, I want to ask you about your experience at the Trop, but first, how cool was it to see the the atmosphere at the Trop this weekend on TV? And, and if you, I don't know if you listen to the radio at all, but it, you could hear it. It's it's been incredible to to see it to listen to it you know stuff watch some of it listen to some in between uh, taking taking my son to, to baseball practice but you can hear it and you can feel it and some of the things I think about it's the 25th anniversary of the team so you've got 25 years of have of people in in the Tampa Bay area of having a team to root for and 15 years of having a team worth rooting for yeah and so those two things combined you know now you've you've got a team that's just made on a historic run. It's incredible. Opening up the third level for the first time in a number of years, all the excitement, Randy land. I mean, it's, 
it's electric. The games that I wasn't there this weekend, but the games I've been there so far this year, it's not felt that way consistently ever. Let's talk about Randy Land because what an innovation by the Rays front office. I think they've done, I've been really positive on how they, you know, what the Rays front office has done to the TROP, inside the TROP to improve the in-game experience really for the last five or so years. Like when they, remember they got dinged as like the worst food safety ballpark in the in, in all of MLB. And, and ever since then, there's been like new turf every year, new lights, a new sound system, a new video board. There's been all these attempts to improve the in-game experience when really Stu Sternberg has no incentive to put money into the stadium that we know the Rays won't be playing in for the long term. But they've done a really good job. Randy Land, which is a Randy Rosarena fan section out in left field was introduced this weekend it's going to be for every friday home game so you just have to hope that randy stays healthy and available for the remainder of the friday home games this season but of course he hits a home run which means free drinks for everybody um it just seems to be what randy does he he lives on on the the big occasion he feeds off of the crowd he he is very much like a professional wrestler uh with his celebrations with his how he how he interacts with the crowd. And I've said it, like, I think he's going to be on the cover of MLB The Show next year. Um, but man, I don't know if the Rays have had an international superstar like Randy Rosarena ever. Yeah, we'll start start with Randy. I mean, it's incredible. I was talking with someone at, at work on Friday about the games, and he's like, yeah, I need to get out there. I haven't been to a game. Um, and then in the middle of the game, after Randy hits the home run, I get a message from someone that doesn't usually message me that says free beer in Randy land. Like that's what this is, is to where something so exciting that you're getting messages about it. People are excited about it. And that's gotta be super cool. I mean, I remember for years we sat in 141. I don't know exactly what section Randy land is out there in left field, but now that's the place people want to be on a Friday night is to be in that section of the outfield. They might have to expand Randy land at some point because it's going to be so popular on a Friday night. But, you know, I've said for a while that baseball does not do a good job at marketing its superstars and marketing P players that are, that are marketable, you know, in basketball, people cheer for players more than they cheer for teams. And I, I, I have to think that, Derek Jeter is probably still the most popular baseball player. Yeah. Uh, and he's been Ken Griffey Jr. might be up there now too. <laughs> might be number two. Yeah. And, and it's, you've got, you've got players across this league, but you've got Randy and just the, the momentum that he built from playing with Mexico in the world baseball classic. And it's still rolling into this season. It's, it's incredible. And then I think you compare it. I was telling my wife the other day that between Randy, Jose Siri, and Wander Franco, I don't know that this team's ever had that much swag in one player, much less three. And if we want to throw Yande in with all pink everything accessories, this is just a really, really fun team to watch. Definitely. And it, and they're getting the national attention this year that I think us as Rays fans, we've always hoped for. Now, it's a, it's not unfortunate, but... It's 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 weird to see that it took like breaking hundred year old records for for them to get that attention that we've known they've always deserved you know two years ago wearing the not interesting nor charismatic t shirts and then neck you know in twenty twenty two 
they were neither interesting nor charismatic to have that such a quick turnaround and really all it's taken and knock on wood that it continues is health. And I know we've seen some big injuries on the pitcher side, but for the most part, you know, Jose Siri went on the IL. All of the position players have stayed very healthy. And when you've got your stars in the lineup every day and the Rays have, they still platoon a lot. Kevin Cash still changes it almost every day. But you know, going to a Rays game, you're going to see Randy Rosarena. You're going to see Wander Franco. You're probably going to see Brandon Lau. Jose Siri has become an everyday player this year. That's a lot of fun for Rays fans that now we've seen, and again, knock on wood, we know trades will continue to happen, but we've seen the Rays keep this core group of players together for three-plus years now. We've seen them lock up these players, Yandy Diaz, Tyler Glasnow, Manuel Margot, Jeffrey Springs, Warner Franco, of course, all get extensions. Well, I don't know if the Randy extension will ever happen, but we've had a core group of players now um, for the last three, four, you know, some players have been here for five plus years. And that's, that's just really cool for Rays fans and the trop. It feels like is becoming the place to be similar, very similar to what the Tampa Bay lightning have created where they've got that group of players, Kucherov, Stamkos, Vasilevsky, Hedman, that one, they win a lot and you have to win a lot. Uh, but two, it's just a group of players that fans can, can rely on, can fall in love with. And then uh, hopefully they, they stay with the team as much as possible. But Jamal, you've, you've been to the Trop a few times this year. What, is, what has it been like you know, with the team playing this well? Well, it's, it's been amazing. It's been a lot of energy. Then even let's start with the new video boards. It, they're so yeah. large. They're so crisp. The in-game experience, uh, the speakers you can hear, you can hear better um, than you could in the past. But it's, it's so nice to just feel like you're in a somewhat modern stadium, or at least I shouldn't say a modern stadium, at least a stadium that's got more modern pieces to it. Which is now uh, one of the oldest ballparks in all of Major League Baseball, which is like now yeah. the Trop was always like, nobody's nationally has ever really loved the Trop, but it, it now it's old. Like it's one of the, oh, top, I think, absolutely. the oldest. It, it's yeah. probably, I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, Oakland's probably the only ball. Well, besides the classic Wrigley, ballpark Fenway. stuff, Wrigley, Fenway. Kaufman um, is older. Yeah, there's outside places that people think are like historic places that are fun to go watch a ball game. It's the Trop in Oakland yeah. uh, that are that are that are left, and and right now it's only the the Trop for a period of time. But no, it's been it's been incredible, and and just the feeling of the fans and I think one of the other things that's different is the expectations like we talked about you just talked about all the players that have been kept together and, and one of the things in my mind is what you don't hear a lot this year uh, with the Rays that you've heard in the past is no one's talking about not having Jimon Choi no one's talking about not having Kevin Kiermeyer. like and, and maybe it's because this team hasn't given you an opportunity to talk about missing anybody because you just won so many games that we are all now more familiar with the St. Louis Maroons than we ever would have been or perhaps should have been. Um, but everyone's just talking about the team that's here and the team that's on the field. And if someone gets injured, if someone has a bad day, there's just this feeling of next player up versus here we go again, we're struggling or, or all these other pieces. So it's been, been really good. But back to the, the ballpark, the, the biggest thing has also been the rule changes and how they impact the experience. So the games going by, so quickly, so fast. Uh, the biggest thing for me attending a game is my wife and I have to now plan, when are we going to eat? <laughs> when are we going to, which is a really interesting thing, is 
you go to grab something to eat and just a traditional piece and you can miss an entire inning or two just in the time it takes to get to a concession stand and back. And not even just that, it's how quickly those that 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 gameplay goes. So the mobile order, ordering, I would highly suggest uh, as people go through and, and try to plan, but also little things like if you're trying to go down and uh, we took our son to go see DJ Kitty in the middle of, of the game, and that's the beginning of the third inning, fifth inning by the time we got back to our seats. So the the pace is wow. real. When you're when you're in the ballpark and you know bathroom trips concessions beer runs whatever uh, have to be planned out a little bit a little bit more and you got to be ready to go and ready to get back or you can miss a, a good amount of the game. Now and I still haven't been to the Trop this season. I haven't been to any big league games to experience the new rule changes. I I have enjoyed it watching on TV. It's a little bit easier, you know. When we we share my girlfriend and I share one living room TV. Instead yeah. of blocking off three and a half hours to watch the Rays game most nights, you know, maybe it's it's only two hours and we still have time to watch other shows. I do enjoy that. And I know she does as well, um, even though she's having a lot of fun watching this team. The Trop, you know, a few years ago and a lot of newer modern ballparks have have created this a 360 walk around experience where I can leave my seat. Let's say I'm sitting on the third baseline walk up to the top, walk out to the center field porch, where now you don't even have to get your credit card out to to buy food and drink. And I can not really miss much. I can watch it on my walk back. I can sit and enjoy my food or stand and enjoy my food out on the center field porch. And I think that's another reason why the Trop, and I've always said this, is an enjoyable place to watch a game. Yes, parts of it are outdated. Yes, they need a new ballpark. But for the time being, like I'm, I'm going down to the Tampa Bay area next weekend for Mother's Day, and I'm really bummed out that the team is out of town. So I'm trying to find some time over the summer where I can get down. And I, I usually try to get to one game whenever I'm in town, but I might need to block off a week where I can get to multiple games. Yeah, and, and I think the challenging part to which the path you just talked about going down, walking to 316, getting there is, and it's just, very different to say is there are now so many people that that walkway <laughs> is a little crowded and you've got the, the the ballpark passes they're selling the you know all you can attend games for the standing room only so now those room that that area there's so many fans in those standing room areas at the uh the i think it's called the shortstop out there in center field at, as well at the porch you know grabbing their beers grabbing their food standing there along the railings that it's it's a tight crowd to walk through but it's it's so exciting because now you know there's all the people that are that do the bashing on online in the comment sections when you talk about randy land they're like oh all the 15 people there to see all the people replying to those comments like no there's a crowd and it's mm-hmm. packed and so all those standard comments people used to make about attendance and those jokes at, at the race at, at the trot yeah they're not valid there were 32,000 people there today, Sunday, the day of recording this. And that is, that's insane. Like to, for, for a Rays regular season game, that is an insane number. And it, it's a good problem to have, right? I'd rather the lines be a little longer to have that crowd. Selfishly, when I'm there, I think 15,000 is the sweet spot. You still get a little bit of an atmosphere with 15,000, but the lines are maybe a little shorter. Things are a little bit more open up, but. I'll take thirty-two thousand on a Sunday oh, afternoon. Absolutely, it's it's great. I'm just setting <laughs> expectations. If you have not been, it's different. It's no longer a gathering. It's a crowd. I, I, 
for me growing up and Jamal, you've got um, a young son and uh, two young children. So this is probably a big part of your ballpark experience is the pregame, you know, getting there, maybe catching the tail end of BP. I don't know if you guys try to go down and get autographs or pictures. I don't know if they've changed how much earlier gates are open to take into account for the shorter games, because I know one debate has been when do beer sales stop now? Most teams yeah, back in inning because the game is so short, maybe you only have an hour and a half to, to buy alcohol or certain concessions that are open. I would like to see if they haven't already, and I'm, I'm ignorant to this, so maybe they have, but maybe open up the gates a little bit earlier to where they have. Well, that's good to hear because then you can plan out for a family to get there a little bit earlier enjoy the pregame festivities because for me when i would go to a game with my dad sometimes when i was a kid i would look forward to the pregame more than the actual game just getting to try to get an autograph from evan longoria or david price or whoever it was that was what i looked forward to going to the ballpark and that's what's worked because i know on sundays they've they've moved it from 90 minutes to two hours prior to first pitch for opening the gates and i think they did the same for this yankees series i i, I remember seeing something about the extended times so that's helped. And so you can go there, catch batting practice, and then you've got that window between the end of BP, the end of the uh, visiting team's BP, and then the first pitch to grab some beverages, grab some food, make it to your seats. And, and that's what we've adjusted to. Um, but yeah, that makes a huge difference in terms of then just being able to sit down, watch the game, and it go by in two hours and 10 minutes and two hours and 15. You know, what was interesting was, and this never would have been possible in the past, but we made it opening day, uh, 3.10 or 3.30 start, whatever time it was, the entire game to the end and back in Wesley Chapel in time for my son to play in a baseball game that started at 6.30. Wow. I mean, uh, especially with the traffic in that area, because I know the population keeps growing. That's that's pretty impressive. But, man, it's just been – I think it's been an awesome start to the year. And – Yes, they're they're twenty eight and seven. Are they going to keep that pace? Probably not. But I don't know. It doesn't feel like a fluke. Like this feels like a team that, come September, and they're about to add one of the best right handed pitchers in baseball. Um, if if they continue to stay healthy, could push for some record breaking numbers. Um, they're five and one to start this month against two winning ball clubs. I know the Yankees are a little banged up, but hey, last year they got to play us when we were a little banged up. Um, losing, um, you know, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, and they still don't have Carlos Rodon. So the Yankees are not out of it, but man, they are just playing incredible baseball right now. They take two or three in what was a really closely contested series against the Yankees, including a comeback today. They were down six nothing against Garrett Cole, who has been, I mean, he's been Garrett Cole to start this year, but the Rays have had lots of success against him, more so than probably any other team, there's no reason for the Rays to be afraid when they face Garrett Cole, regular season, postseason. I don't think it matters at this point. I think everybody in that lineup feels confident when they're going up against him or any ace. Yeah, I think especially, I think they do have to get that postseason win against him just to get that get that check. But he came in to today's game not giving up a home run all season and didn't leave today's game that way so and our eight and nine hitters were the two that got him yeah i think bethancourt certainly 
got got the one over and, and then it's it's the second one's escaping because I was listening to it on the drive back. But yep, Siri and Bethancourt and they're not scared of anyone. This team is again, never think they're out, never over, willing to come back. But I think another thing that makes this year really interesting is the balanced schedule. They're not playing against the American League East as much as they were in the past, which to me gives every team in the American League East a greater advantage and probably why every single one of those teams is above 500. And again, I don't think it slows the race down when you get a chance to go play some of these other divisions that you didn't get to face before. So that's more wins. It should be, should lead to more wins over the course of the season and give make that division more competitive. Um, but some really exciting baseball. Yeah, I personally, I'm not a fan of the more balanced. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm not like going to throw a fit about it. I really liked, you know, seeing a National League team every three years. Like, oh, this is a special occasion. We're playing the Dodgers or we're playing the Cubs or the Mets this year um, and pl- getting more familiar with the teams in the division. I think for competitive balance, it's best, especially now that you've got three wild card spots. It's like, okay, the Rays are competing for the same wild card spot as I don't know, the Minnesota Twins or the yep. Chicago White Sox, and now the schedule is a lot more balanced, which probably makes it um, there's there's I don't I want to say more parity, but more fair uh, when we get into these these wild card races. But it'd also be weird, like yeah, only seeing the Ra- the Yankees three more times this year. You know, one more yeah. at the Trop and two more at Yankee Stadium. Kevin Cash has been very vocal about how much he loves it, so. That's really all that matters. It's a lot easier on the team. And like you said, more wins. And more potential road trips to go yeah. see stadiums. Like if you're a, if you're a fan of the the Rays and you want to go check off different ballparks, you don't have to wait a decade to get a chance to see your team in a different ballpark. You get you get more opportunities to go have some fun. It's true. And I, I think we're just moving towards like where like obviously the National League added the the DH last year. The difference between the two leagues, which was unique to baseball. Like I know in basketball hockey and football you've got two conferences but we're the only sport to play within one umbrella major league baseball the two leagues played under different rules i'm glad we fixed that the schedule is a step forward eventually major league baseball is going to expand and we're not going to go on too much of a tangent about this but yeah it wouldn't shock me if the american and national league the current format maybe only has another decade before maybe we split into east and west or do something completely different that wouldn't shock me, but for now, we've got the balanced schedule or more balanced schedule. Yeah, um, we've got bigger bases. We've got a pitch clock, no shift. But we'll just everything's on the table for change. Man, and I, I, well, I want to dive more into the Yankee series, but with the with the pitch with the the new rules, the bases are noticeable. But I like it more stolen bases. I've always thought that's something that I wish there was more of. Uh, we've gone away from it in the last 15 years, but that's made it more exciting. The pitch clock is going to take the players a lot to get used to, and I think there's still a lot of gray area. Wander Franco got hit with a pitch clock violation, I believe, in Saturday's game, where he was not ready with eight seconds left on the clock, but neither was the pitcher. Like, the pitcher was still getting onto the rubber, and so Wander was still waiting to get into the box, yet he was the one that was dinged. And the umpires are in a tough spot. Like, I I was very hard on Will Little, the home plate umpire today, because I thought he was not very good. Uh, But making those – this is the first year that they've had to deal with those rules too. And so they're learning. They're trying to figure it out. 
Derek Shelton didn't want to give him much grace period uh, earlier this week. Him and Adrian Johnson were just yeah. at odds the entire week from from first pitch on on Tuesday uh, through the rest of the series. But I I hope it's just going to work itself out. I what I'm what I fear happening, and maybe they'll get direction from the commissioner's office. But I fear there's going to be a big postseason moment that's turned on its head from a pitch clock violation. And I, that's what I don't want to see happen. I'm hoping the commissioner's office says, hey, let's take it a little easier. But you have to be careful with that because if you play by those rules the whole year, you've got to take it into the postseason. Yeah, and, and I've always said, I think for me, I would not end in that bat with a pitch clock violation. I would allow it to go up to ball three, up to strike two, and then let's finish in that bat with a ball and a pitched ball, right. swing, whatever. Let's not you know, administratively end in that bat. It's going to come up in the postseason. Like, there's going to be a big moment. It's it just better not come up. In, it better not come up. Game seven, World Series, bottom of the ninth. That'll be if we think if we think the All Star game ending in a tie years ago was a problem. <laughs> imagine a World Series decided by the pitch clock. Yeah, that's and that's what I worry about. Um, because postseason baseball, it it. It's supposed to be long and fans across like you even hear like casual baseball fans, fans that are right now watching the NBA and NHL playoffs that tune in to baseball in October. They love the three and a half hour postseason game because each pitch is so intense. Like nobody is is worried about a postseason baseball game lasting too long. So I worry about it in the postseason, but we'll I guess we'll cross that bridge yep. when, when we get there. Let's talk a little bit more about this Yankee series. We had the comeback today. Game two, the Rays had a 2-0 lead early on, uh, but then that was the only runs they scored. You had really good pitching performances from Drew Rasmussen, who went five and two-thirds, picked up six strikeouts. Uh, The bullpen, you went to Ryan Thompson for a third of an inning. Jalen Beeks struggled, as he has been this season, although he did get a big strikeout in today's game. Then with (laughs) the game on the line, you had a 2-1 lead. You go to Kevin Kelly who has been, I think, really good in his role for the Rays, which has been to eat up, you know, up to two innings in a game, uh, medium to low leverage situations. I've been really impressed with Kevin Kelly. I think he's going to stick around. He was a Rule 5 pick, so they don't keep him on the active roster. They have to offer him back to the team that we picked him from, which I don't even know who that was. Um, It was the Rockies. And... Then he gets put into a high-leverage situation. We're dealing with some injuries. Pete Fairbanks is on the IL. We'll talk about the bullpen situation, uh, but not the situation you want Kevin Kelly to be in. The Yankees knew they just had to put the ball in play. He's not going to blow up by you. They did, and they win the game 3-2. to two. Um, That one felt like, like you said it off air, the one you were supposed to win today, you know, Garrett Cole versus Josh Fleming. It's the one you think, okay, we're probably not going to get this one. Losing two of three at home against the Yankees would have really stung, but they pulled it out. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, you win a one-run game on on Friday night as well. Uh, you had a good. You, you were facing Brito from the Yankees. You had Yanni Torinos, who for the most part looked, you know, like Yanni Torinos does. Struggled in his last inning before he was pulled, and you had good bullpen work from Kevin Kelly, Colin Poche, and Jason Adam. But just a this was the first like really greedy competitive series that the Rays have played in. Toronto series was like it as well. But it was it was fun to watch the Rays play in these close games and make the big plays when it mattered. 
And yeah, all th- all three games were one run games. Uh, it was yeah, it was a lot three, of fun. Three one run games easily. Yeah, like you mentioned yesterday or Saturday's game, you got the lead. Rays had won every game uh, in the season when they scored first. They were also twenty three and zero when they were leading after seven, and and they were able to drop that. And then again Sunday today. 6-0 Garrett Cole and you, you come back and, and win it in extras with a with an ESOC walk-off um, you know to score it. It's it's baseball. Some it's, it's hard to sum it up just saying it's baseball and you just never know until you record all of the outs. But I think what's the bullpen is just a matter of getting more more consistent. And I think that it's it's hard in the uh seven losses that you've had this season to really feel feel bad or feel like the team's struggling, but it's been in those moments when, uh, you know, you need the bullpen to come through that uh, a few pitchers particularly feel like they're not coming through as consistently as others. But then, you know, when they do come through, I don't think that they also get the same credit to, to your point. You look at Kevin Kelly in one game versus the next, you look at Jalen Beeks in today's game on Sunday, getting key strikeout to, to take it into, take it into extras. And he didn't even get a whole lot of time to warm up because, Clevenger went down and he just had to come in. And if they can, if the bullpen can become more consistent as well as stay healthy, which will help when Pete Fairbanks comes back uh, later this month. And then hopefully you also get um, Sean Armstrong back as well. End of, end of May, early June, get us a little more familiarity in there and be a little bit of a better position to be. But yeah, I think it's, I know I've tweeted some things when po- Colin Pochet takes the mound. Um, oh, yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> not, not not the most comforting, but and then there's other games. And again, it's escaped me the exact one off the top of my head, but then comes in and, and throws really good in relief and, and winds up walking away with, with a good outing. So it's just a matter of, you know, maybe it's just give this bullpen some time and, and let them do their thing. Colin Pochet, I made a joke about it when I wrote the recap for Tuesday's game. Uh, when he had to come in, I think he came in when Fleming got hurt. Uh, when he got the comebacker, um, it's just like he is the most, <laughs> I don't want to say hated because that's a strong word, but on Twitter, it's true. Like you get real hate from Rays fans, which you hate to see. Um, the results have, have pretty much been there for Colin Pochet. Um, I think his ERA is still really low, probably a little too low for how well he, he, he hasn't really gotten a lot of strikeouts this year. Still got, I think, less than a 1-5 ERA after today's outing. Um, but he's always been as dependable as a middle reliever should be. It's when he gets put into these high-leverage situations that the Rays continue to trust him in, which I give Kevin Crash, Kevin Cash and Kyle Snyder a lot of credit for. That's when Rays fans get upset. It's like, I'm okay with Colin Pochet pitching with a five-run lead or a five-run deficit in the sixth or seventh inning. I don't want to see him in a one- or two-run game in the eighth or ninth inning. Um, but you know what? He's, he's going to be here. Like you'd rather have him than Javi Guerra, who I'm, I'm really not a fan of, um, but he's going to be on the roster. He's going to get these big situations, especially with Fairbanks out and Garrett Clevenger could be out for a while. You, you hope not the season, but that was a nasty injury. He suffered in a rundown, which first rule of a rundown, you don't want your pitcher involved. The Rays probably should have tried to get the out before that and probably could have uh he got like tabletopped basically by glaber torres who goes to ground it wasn't anything dirty uh, but goes to ground clevenger has to kind of go over him he made the tag the umpire will little 
missed the call on that one. So then the Rays had to throw it to home, and I believe it was Paredes or someone else was there to make the tag. They got the out, the big out, uh, but that uh, allowed the runner. Actually, it wasn't Torres that got out. It was someone else. Torres moved to third, um, and Garrett Clevenger hurts his knee. He tries to get back on the mound, throw a couple of pitches, and his knee was still in pain or his leg was in pain. I don't know for sure that it was his knee. He has to leave. And Garrett Clevenger, after Jason Adam, was probably your next, you know, your next best reliever, the guy you would trust in those high leverage situations. So you don't want to see him go down. Jason Adams pitched in four of the last six games. So he's been taxed. That's another thing. This weekend, um, and Tuesday included, when Fleming gets hurt, the bullpen is taxed right now. And you're about to go into a week against the Red Hot Baltimore Orioles. And then again, the Yankees for a four-game set this weekend. The bullpen is going to be really tested. And the bats can get us out of anything, seemingly. But this feels like the week where if the starting pitching has any blips or if there's any further injury where you have to eat up a lot of innings, this week could go bad in a hurry for the Rays. Um, I expect we'll see Luis Patino. And the big point I want to make is I know he's only, I think he's still just 23 and still obviously very talented, a lot of electric stuff. But Luis Patino I think it's time for the Rays to prioritize using him as a reliever. I think the stuff really plays. You can use him for multiple innings still. Um, You don't have to just be a one-inning guy. But he struggled in the big leagues as a starter, still at a very young age. You don't want to give give up on him as a starter. But for this season, what the team needs, they're going to need him out of the bullpen. And especially these next couple of weeks when you're down Clevenger and Fairbanks, I think it's time to to put Luis Patino in. He might be a back-end guy for you this year because that stuff is still electric and it just hasn't really worked out for him at any point, whether it was with the Padres in 2020 or his two years in the big leagues with the Rays as a starting pitcher. Do you think they still need Patino even if you get Sean Armstrong back in June? If you get Sean Armstrong back in June and everyone else stays healthy, then no. But the name of the game with pitchers is that the injuries to Pete Fairbanks and Garrett Clevenger right. and Jeffrey Springs won't be the last injuries. Like there will be more this year. Knock on wood that it's nobody serious. We don't want anybody to get hurt, but like you want to keep Shane McClanahan, Zach Eflin, Drew Rasmussen healthy, but there will be more injuries. Like th- this will not be as straightforward as it's been for the first five weeks of the season. Yeah. It's almost like you get, you get one back, you lose one you, or you lose two. And you know, maybe maybe Patino becomes becomes that guy to take that bullpen role for the year. But then, you know, what happens if you lose a starter? Who do you who do you who do you who do you lean on? I guess it's a whole lot of you know what ifs. But we got to get ready. I mean, I guess you can Taj back up if if they're ready to do that. I think ta- the plan is for Taj to be back up and be that fifth starter by June. Um. You, you'll you'll have so you'll have McClanahan, Eflin, Rasmussen, Glass now when he comes back. And again, they're still going to be managing Glass now's innings. You're not yep. going to rely on him for for six plus to start. Um, everything seems to be progressing well for him, but it won't be just plug and play like those first few big league starts. Probably no more than five innings. And Tyler Glass now, the way he pitches, is not really more than a five inning guy. Um, he can get length. Um, but they're really going to be managing his innings this year. So 
if you can put Patino in that role, you can still count on on good bulk innings or decent bulk innings from Torino's Fleming, uh, Calvin Fauche, who's back in AAA. You know, he'll be back up at some point. But even then, like, these one-run games, uh, this might be where it, it, the Rays start to lose some, which is fine. They've banked 28 wins, and it's May 7th. Like, they are doing okay. If they get swept by the Orioles and or so let's say they walk out of this week with two wins. You're okay. You're 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 still in first place almost certainly. Um nothing to to really worry about, but I think you're going to start to see I don't want to say cracks in the foundation, but with how taxed the bullpen has been, I'm not super confident going into this week when Jason Adam is really your only shutdown reliever that you trust like going to, you, after him it's it's Poche and Thompson. Those are your those are your next two guys. Like you're not you don't trust Javi Guerin, high leverage. Jalen Beeks, I think, can get you some big outs. Kevin Kelly clearly isn't that guy. This is this is where it gets interesting. And you've got to also like Jason Adams pitched in four of the last six games. You can't just throw him out there in every one run game this week. And at some point the home runs stop and uh, you, you need your yeah. bullpen to, to win some low scoring. Are you uh, saying that the Rays aren't going to have like three separate MVP candidates by the end of this month? <laughs> I, the odds would say no, but this season has defied the odds in in every way that I can think of. So yeah, you've got to you got to get it figured out for when the offense hits a lull, and and you're going to have to win some one zero games or or two one games um, on a more regular basis, but you know. I think May, you've got to stay healthy between now, between now and the all-star break. If you have to lose some, like you, like you mentioned, but you can keep, keep players healthy and keep them for when you need them to the second half of the season. And most importantly, the postseason. that's got to be really the defining success factor, given the record that you've built so far. I, I think that's ultimately my point is that when Kevin Cash turns and gives the ball to Colin Poche, in a one-run game at Yankee Stadium this weekend, and he blows it. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't, but let's say he does. Don't freak out. Like, yep. let Jason Adam rest. You've got the wins banked. It's going to be okay, but for the time being, the bullpen is it's still a good bullpen. I mean, they still have I mean, one of the best ERAs out of all, uh, all of baseball, but it's not going to be this straightforward. You've still got a lot of interesting guys in AAA. Colby White coming back off of Tommy John surgery. Evan Reifert, who was great in the Arizona Fall League. He is, I think, a big-time bullpen prospect. Zach Birdie, we've seen. We've, we've got Ben Heller, who has done some really interesting things in the minor leagues. Um, Trevor Kelly. You've still got Calvin Fauche, who I know is not the most popular with, with his big league results. The Rays will be fine. It's just a matter of, of, of weathering the storm while you're without these relievers and while you're without your, your big time starters, Tyler Glass now, who can take a chunk of those innings. Losing Jeffrey Springs for the year obviously hurts. And you might also get Andrew Kittredge back at some point later this year. He had his Tommy John last yeah. summer. So it probably won't it'll be a while, but he's on his way back and he was an all star before he got hurt. So if you can get similar results from him, the Rays will be fine. I just I think preparing fans for the the imminent you know slump that's going to come at some point but do you think fans just need someone to blame 
whether oh, it's right, I'm, wrong, yeah. rational, irrational. And I think, you know, Rays fans, there's always been someone in the lineup you can blame, except for this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a starter you can blame. So it feels like there's going to be some reliever that unfortunately is going to be the therapy tar- therapeutic target of a fan base whenever something goes down of, well, see, it's these relievers there because where else do you point blame if you're a fan looking to point some blame if something goes wrong right now? Well, and they're relievers. They're not supposed to be the best pitchers on your staff. There's a reason that's their role. Now they can still be very valuable. And I give, um, I, I also poked fun at this in my recap last week, but Ryan Thompson replied to, yeah. to, to Darby uh, when Darby was kind of critiquing the Rays bullpen and saying that their ERA is great and well, we'll take it. The underlying metrics are saying that eventually the the regression monster is going to come for them. And Ryan Thompson clapped back at Darby and was like, hey, we're, they're not scoring runs against us. Like we're doing something right. And I give him lots of credit. Um, I know he's very active on Twitter uh, and, and the relievers do get the bulk of that that fan aggression probably unfairly so uh i just i hope yeah race fans stay positive and when we do hit the skid whenever it happens maybe it doesn't come until june july august maybe it never comes but that everybody's patient and just kind of keeps the focus on the big picture um <laughs> jamal i know it's really early and it's 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 only may 7th we're still a month away from when all-star game voting will start but if you're looking at an all-star team, if you're trying to you know, pick a, an American League all-star team right now, um, it, it would look a lot like the Tampa Bay Rays roster because everybody in the starting lineup, you could make an argument for them to be a major league or uh, an American League all-star. So I want to play a little game. I'm looking at the roster right here. I'm looking at a little bit of the stats. How many all-stars, you can name them if you want, do you think the Rays will have this season? Couldn't go four. Four. All right. Who do you think the four will be? So I think you've got Ronde Rosarena. Yep. Absolute all-star. I think Wander Franco, when you can casually toss a ball to yourself and make the throw um, and crush it on offense as well, I think those are two superstars. And then I think there's a third player in the lineup that gets in somewhere between Yande Diaz, if he keeps doing what he's doing at first base, I, I could see a case for Josh Lowe. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud mm. uh, to make it in uh, to be an all-star. And then there's always someone else that, you know, I think within the lineup that could get that third one. And then I think Jason Adam has a, has a good case to be an all-star as really wait, I lied. I said four. I didn't even talk about Shane McClanahan. So that's clearly five coming out of the the rotation as well. So I'll go with five rays. I, I think five was my number. I think Wander Franco's in a really good spot to to be the starter, the starting shortstop. Um his competition's probably Bo Bichette, who um offensively has matched Wander's numbers. Um they're both hitting above three hundred, OBP north of three sixty. Wander's got six home runs. Bo Bichette has seven. Um, Wander's a, a better defensive player, but Bo Bichette does does fine for a shortstop. They'll probably be the two competing for that starting spot. A Rosarena, we talked about his stardom at the beginning of the show. He is second in American League outfielders and wins above replacement, tied for second going into today with Mike Trout and Alex Verdugo. 
Brent Rooker leads all American League outfielders and wins above replacement out in Oakland. He's been on a tear to start the season. I don't expect that to to continue. Uh, a Rosarina, Franco, McClanahan, those are like your nailed on guys. Yandy Diaz, I mean, he he leads all American League first baseman in wins above replacement by a good chunk. Um, he's having a much better season than Vladimir Guerrero. Um, he's got nine home runs, which is insane to think that he'll be chasing 30 this season if he keeps it up. Uh, he'll definitely get to 20, I think. But a 436 on base percentage, he's been the best hitter in the big leagues this year. So you have to imagine, unless he falls off a cliff in the next month and a half, he'll be on his way to Seattle for the All-Star game. And then, yeah, I think Jason Adam, like, if he doesn't get in initially, you know, he'll probably get the the pitcher replacement nod. Um, and maybe Josh Lowe sneaks in there too. Like Josh Lowe is a guy that has made himself, you know, an everyday player. He's done well against left-handed pitching. He's hitting above 300. Um, he's done okay defensively. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's done pretty well on the bases. I don't know how many stolen bases he has to this point. Um, he's gotten five, so he's going to be up there as well. Harold Ramirez, like he doesn't play enough. But maybe he sneaks yeah. in as a reserve. Like he doesn't play every day, but man. That's how I feel about Josh. And maybe just doesn't play just enough, but his production when he does play is there. But again, I think there's just another race player that'll sneak in. And maybe it's Drew Rasmussen, right? Like who could have a sub three ERA by then. Um, maybe he's a pitcher replacement. Zach Eflin spent some time on the IL, but his numbers are still really good. Jeffrey Springs was, I think, on his way to, you know maybe starting that game and Shane McClanahan could very well start again for the second straight year. Um, but Jeffrey Springs was putting him himself, putting himself in Cy Young uh, territory. So I, th- I think at least three, like there has to be at least three, two out of the group of Franco or Rosarena and Diaz and then McClanahan. But like all four of those guys at this point are, I mean, should, should all be starting in the all-star game. And then it's just a matter of, uh, of how many make the roster after that. And I think Adam has a good chance. So, I mean, when you win 28 of your first 35 games, you're off to the best start in franchise history and in one of the best starts in major league baseball history, you've got to have some all-stars on your team to do that. And, And that's just where the Rays are right now. Like this week they had to fight hard and they lost a close one on Saturday. Should have lost today down six, nothing against Garrett Cole. They found a way to get it done, and and it just feels like winning these games still very early. Things are going to, like we talked about with the bullpen, it's it's, it's not going to be this straightforward. It's not going to look this easy for six months out of the season, but this is a team that I think can continue to break records. I don't know at what point do we get in the season, Jamal, where we start looking at the 2001 Seattle Mariners, you know, record-breaking regular season and think that the Rays can can catch that or or surpass that. I think we at least got to get past the All-Star game in Seattle. Yeah. And so once we get get past that game in Seattle, we start looking at chasing Seattle and and what depending on what the team's doing at that point, but biggest thing again, stay healthy. The Yankees started off hot last season and and they didn't when didn't get the ultimate accomplishment, right? They fell mm-hmm. fell short in the postseason. So Regular season's cool. I think it's, you know, you win the, try to win the East and then make sure it counts in the postseason. But 
I do think it's funny that opening day, everyone was poking fun at the banner that the Rays were were raising. And uh, since then, they've come out to play like they don't plan on raising a wild card banner this year. Yeah, I love to see it. And last thing, we'll close the show on this. The Baltimore Orioles are who's next for the Rays. The Rays are headed to Camden Yards. The Orioles are in second place. Five and a half games behind the Rays. They're 22 and 12 to start the season. The, are, are they are they contenders this year? Like it feels like it's maybe a year too early, but they're twenty two and twelve. I mean, that's an if the Rays were twenty and two and twelve, we'd be just as happy right now. The, the Baltimore Orioles are having a great season, um, first place in the AL wild card race. Are they for real? Like, do you think we'll we'll still be talking about the Orioles in this light come September? I don't think in this light in September. I mean, at least right now, they yes, they're second in the division, but. They're seven and eight against teams over 500. Mm. And so compared to everyone talks about who have the Rays played, but the Rays are 11 and five against teams that are above 500. So, I mean, it'll be, it should be a good series, but I fully expect the Rays to to win the series and take two out of, take two out of the three and the Orioles to probably look good, but be that team that starts to fade as the season goes on. So who, who at this point, because the Rays have already built a sizable lead in division, who is the biggest threat to to coming after the Rays, even after their incredible start? I think it's the team that did the best against the Rays, Toronto. If Toronto gets it, gets things figured out and, and comes through, they're only, what, a game and a half behind Baltimore. I think yeah. that's the team that, at least to me, feels like they've got the staying power throughout the season. Um, if, again, if health is always the key piece for baseball, more so than, than Baltimore. But you never know. Baltimore's got some players that are, that are coming together and, and they're a little bit younger, but I think Toronto's the team that I still have my eye on. I, I agree. That series, that matchup was like the only one where I'm looking at the lineups. I'm like, yeah, this one doesn't look good for the Rays. Obviously, if the Yankees get back Judge and Stanton, Carlos Rodon, like they're they're going to be around. They're going to be in a hunt for a playoff spot. Uh, but yeah, Toronto's the team that I think I'm most worried about right now. But hey, when you've got a seven-game lead on them on May 7th, uh, that's, that's a really good cushion to have uh, no matter what happens the rest of the season. So... That's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Jamal, thank you so much for hopping on uh, this week and and filling in for Darby. Uh, Thanks, Brett. We'll definitely have to have Jamal back on very soon. Uh, If you like what we do, make sure to follow, subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to get every new episode of Raise Your Voice and Who's on Worst, which we're coming back with very soon on this podcast feed. As always, make sure to keep following DRaceBay.com. Still the home of this podcast. We'll be posting every new episode on the site and uh, keep, keep us, keep following us on Twitter at BG Rutherford 99 at Darby underscore Robinson. Jamal, where can the people find you on Twitter? At Jay Wilberg at Jay Wilberg. So thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next week.